0: Y'all probably know by now that I tend to be a competitive person. Actually, that that might be an understatement. Um, I'm always competing with myself or with other people. If if, if I turn on GPS and it says I'm going to arrive at my destination at 624, I'm going to get there at 623. I'm just always competing with things. If, there's, if I'm watching a ball game and it's between innings, I'm going to get this done before the innings. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just always competing with myself. When I sent Daniel, for crying out loud, when he was three years old, I kept his score at Putt-Putt. It started off being a great day, but when I started doing that, Cheryl was not too happy that I was keeping his score. But, hey, I think competition's fun. I really do. It, 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 it drives us. And I think that's why this passage of Scripture is just so fascinating. John and Peter Seem to be in a foot race To the empty tomb It's like they're in a race there Think about these two guys John and Peter were two of Jesus Closest friends and disciples Remember a couple weeks ago We talked about how Jesus Asked these two men To go into Jerusalem To make all the preparations For their last supper together Well Here they are together again, off on another, somewhat more stressful, at the time, adventure. See, Peter and John both had their quirks, their misgivings, but their commitment to Jesus was solid. See, it was was that Sunday morning after Jesus had died on Friday. And one of his followers, uh, a woman that we know as Mary Magdalene, she went to Jesus' tomb to pay her respects. And she found that the stone covering the cave, the tomb, had been moved to the side. Well, she, she was in shock. I mean, we'd all be in shock if we went to a cemetery to pay respects to someone and the tomb had been open. So she takes off running and she found Peter and John. She thought someone had stolen Jesus' body. That first Easter was not a joyous one for Mary. So she tells Peter and John someone has taken Jesus' body. So Peter and John took off running. There's a lot of running. My goodness if you're a cross country runner this is probably your favorite passage of scripture. Everybody's running. And John, who actually wrote this many years later, wants us to know something about that run to the tomb. See, he and Peter started off together, but in verse 4, John makes sure that we all know that he was more athletic and he made it to the tomb first. Well, it didn't hurt that John was a lot younger than Peter. You know, the, the young kid taking on the old guy. So John gets to the tomb first. He stoops down and he looked inside. And he couldn't see Jesus' body. It wasn't there. Well, when Peter finally gets there huffing and puffing, you know how the old guys are. He didn't stop. He stooped down and crawled right in. Probably head first. And what Peter found inside that tomb astonished him. You see, when Jesus was taken down from the cross, his body was sprinkled and prepared with an, an ointment called myrrh. Myrrh was used back then to preserve bodies that had died. Now, myrrh was made from a, a sticky resin. And when you put the, the, the linen over the dead body, after it has the myrrh on it, it sticks to the, to the body. Like like glue, you can't get it off. But Peter saw that that linen body wrapping where Jesus' body had been laid, it was, it was empty. There was no body there. And what John couldn't see from the outside, but Peter could see from the inside of the tomb, was that the wrap that they used to cover Jesus' head was folded neatly and placed off to the side. See, if someone had stolen Jesus' body, they would have kept it in the linens because they were stuck to the body by that myrrh. And the linens weren't scattered around the tomb. They're just lying where Jesus' body was. And then there's that head wrap. I mean, it was folded, nice and neat, placed off to the side. What Peter saw inside the tomb wasn't the result of grave robbers who were in a hurry so they couldn't get caught. Something else was going on. Well, finally, uh, John said, well, if he went in there, I've got to go in there too. And he goes in the tomb, and Scripture says, when he saw the same thing that Peter did, he believed without any doubt that Jesus had risen from the dead. My goodness, isn't this an amazing First hand account of that Sunday morning. You know, I think we have to give John some credit here. Because even though he brags that he outran Peter, he's honest enough to admit that he didn't go into the tomb. Only Peter had the courage to do that. And John's honest enough to tell us, yeah, I just stood back. But Pete, he just ran right in. That's some honesty. I mean, if I was writing a book of the Bible, I'd make myself look perfect. John's honest. See, John got to the tomb first, but he stayed outside. Peter got to the tomb and he scurried on in. I think this describes two kinds of Christians in the world today. Do you have an outside observer faith? Or an inside active faith? Are you on the sidelines watching? Or are you on the field playing? Are you testing the waters or are you all in? It's a good question for us. Sean and I were talking early this morning. It's been an early morning. And we were talking and I realized that You know, with my transition to becoming a professor at Asbury Seminary, this may be my last Easter Sunday sermon to preach. Because I'm sure I'll do some guest preaching from time to time, but there aren't any guest preachers on Easter Sunday. So I guess I've got a sense of urgency today. What is it that I want to share with you all on my last Easter Sunday sermon before I go off to the world of... Nosebleed Academy up in the Ivory Tower. See, I think the physical resurrection of Jesus is central to the Christian faith. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 that without the reality of Jesus' resurrection, there is no Christian faith. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, Christ was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day. He was seen by Peter and then the other apostles. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, Paul writes, I I saw him too. And Paul says if Christ was not raised then all of our preaching is useless and your trust in God is useless. And if Christ has not been raised then your faith is useless and you're still under the judgment for your sins. Whoa, did y'all get that? If we don't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus not only do we have no hope Paul tells us we can't even call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. Man, that's tough language. But that's how important the resurrection of Jesus is to our faith. See, John was honest in his writing of their run to the tomb on that Sunday morning. John was in better physical shape, but Peter had the courage to dive in and explore this very mysterious situation. See, it's good to focus on being in physical shape because we need the endurance to do the work that God has us to do. But it's so much better to be in good spiritual shape so that we can have the courage to hear and explore the mysteries of God. I mean, we're told today, if you watch the news, about the importance of health care and how we can't live without it. Y'all, I think this passage of Scripture is telling us today that there's nothing more important than soul care. See, when we only focus on our physical lives, you know, our housing, our clothes, our gadgets, our physical fitness, when we focus on those things, it's not bad but we're not orienting our lives in a way that we can see Jesus. But when we focus on our spiritual lives, we can have the ability to see God working in our lives and in the world. Well, in verse 8 of John 15, John finally has the courage to enter the tomb. And when he actually went in there, it changed his life what's it going to take for us to have the courage to enter whatever it is that God wants us to enter maybe you're a little bit like John you run to God but then you just stand there and you think about it and you analyze it and you rationalize it Over and over and over again. See, the Holy Spirit can help you transition from spending your life rationalizing God with your brain to going inside and experiencing God with your heart. See, the resurrection of Jesus is the most significant event in human history. It gives us hope That there's life for us beyond this human life. That this life on earth is just the beginning because we get to spend eternity with Jesus. Think about this. Jesus did all the work. He left heaven. He came and he lived with us. I mean, who would leave heaven to come here? But he did. He endured the cross He conquered death. He's done all the work. All we have to do is believe. And when we do, we can experience a joy that is indescribable. We can't even describe this joy that God places in our hearts. See, Peter, John, and all the other followers of Jesus had their lives transformed by the resurrected Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they changed the course of human history. If they went in that tomb, Jesus' body wasn't there, and they said, Well, I guess somebody stole it, none of us would be sitting here today. None of us. But they believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. Jesus' resurrection ushered in a movement of the Holy Spirit like the world had never seen. I've talked with and studied a lot of Christian leaders who have tried to start a movement. You know, what we need to do is to start a movement, and that's fine, But I've seen it tried over and over and over. And most of the time it fizzles out when the leader leaves or dies. A true movement of God is started by God. We can't plan it. We just have to try to keep up with what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. But we can't just stand there like John. Looking and thinking and trying to rationalize what God's doing. Well, I think God's moving. Let's form a committee to discern what God is doing. We know how to do committees, don't we? And then we talk about it and we plan it. Well, if this is a movement of God, how's it going to affect our building use policy, our insurance, and our liability? Well, we need staff. That's where the church is, has, has, has come to. Sometimes we, we can organize God too much and we're in control. When the disciples in, in Acts chapter two, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, they're just sitting there, not knowing what to do. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they didn't plan it, the Holy Spirit moved, and look what happened. Thousands of people gave their lives to Christ. That's a movement of God. That's what they did in their generation. And what they did, their faithfulness affected our lives. All those generations later, we are the generation of the church on the earth at this time in history. Now it's our turn. Find out what God is doing in the world. Get on board with it and not ask God to get on board with what we want to do. And it started with Peter Head diving into that tomb. And John learning from his older disciple friend. Yeah, maybe I should stop thinking about it and just do it. Let's pray.